Good morning. Thanks for having me again. Uh, I think this is my third time with y'all. In case you don't remember me, um, my name is Gary Ball, and I am the pastor at Redeemer Anglican Church. Uh, up on Haywood Road, we meet at Grace Baptist Church, and we meet in the evenings. And so all of my friends know that, and so when they're out of town, they call me to preach at their church. Um, <laughs> I'm also the chairman of the board at Canterbury Classical School that meets here, and just wanted to relay our gratitude again for all that you guys do. We, we would not be able to do what we do without your, your help, your blessing, a real blessing to us as our Rebecca and Andrew, great friends for our family. So uh, we read today from Ephesians. I want to read a couple of the other texts from the lectionary readings for, to, for today. I'll read just portions of them. Uh, today, the Ephesians uh, biblical text is paired with Exodus. And it's the, when the Israelites uh, are freed from slavery and they're in the desert and they're grumbling And the Lord says to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every every day, that I may test them whether they walk in my law or not. And and the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of, of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. What is it? He, they eventually, so now it, it falls from heaven, it's on the ground, and they say, what is it? For they did not know what it was, and Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And then it makes sense that this would be paired with John 6, I am the bread of life. He says, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who, sent, who he has sent. So he said to them, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do, the, do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread to eat from heaven. And then he ends up by saying, Sir, give us this bread. We want this bread that you're talking about, that we may never be hungry again. And he says, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst again. Amen. In the desert, the tired, wandering, hungry, freed Hebrew slaves are needing food. And they are given bread from heaven, but they're only given one day's portion. It's said that this would test them. It's a test of faith. Will will God continue to provide daily for us? But they were ready to turn back at this point. They were... They were recounting how miserable it was to be slaves, but now their stomachs are grumbling, and they're sort of having more romantic notions of what life used to be like. You know what? It might have been horrible then, but at least we had food to eat. So they begin to rationalize that it would be better if God had left them in Egypt to die at the hands of Pharaoh while they were eating, than be left by God out in the wilderness to starve. But still God heard their cry. Even though they were grumbling, he graciously fed them bread from heaven. And this wasn't just a sign that he was with them. It wasn't only to give them the assurance to keep going. 
with this food, he gave them nourishment, the strength to actually follow the signs, to walk, the grace to carry on. And I think the difference, the distinction that we're making today is a faith that is dependent upon signs and a faith that is about nourishment, one that is grounded in being fed by Christ. You see, signs give us affirmation, and they they kept the Hebrew slaves going, one sign to another, little by little. And ultimately, in John, we see that the signs would prove that Jesus is who he said he would be. So signs have a significant role. Even today, we see creation declaring the wonders of God. We see signs. We see the glory of the Lord. So signs are significant, but here they represent faith as an external reality. God, give me something so that I can keep going, as opposed to nourishment of bread and manna that would feed us from the inside and give us the faith necessary even in the midst of our hunger. Bread is consumed, and when we eat, it is absorbed into the fabric of our being. It is converted into energy. The food that we eat becomes a part of our makeup. It informs our likeness. So John uses this metaphor to the Galileans, only he takes it a step further. Actually, Jesus takes it a step further. These Galileans, like the Egyptians, wanted another sign. They said, give us another sign so that then we might believe. We need another sign. And what you might not realize, because we didn't read it, right before this, Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread. And they have the nerve to say, give us a sign that we will believe. As if feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread isn't sign enough. It was clear that signs were not enough. That, that signs would not sustain their faith, no matter what Jesus would show them. But it's also true here that bread would only satisfy their temporary longing. They ate bread on the, the Galilean hillside, walked around the lake, met Jesus on the other side, and by then they were ready for more bread. Jesus, give us a sign, but also give us more bread. Hopefully the sign that you will give us will somehow benefit our longing. It filled their bellies. It gave them strength. But by the time that they walked around the lake, they were ready for more. Give us more. More bread, more sustenance, and more signs. This is why Jesus tells them, no, no, what, what you need is not the bread that you received on the hillside. What the, Egypt, the freed slaves needed was not just manna from heaven. What you need is the true bread from heaven. The bread that will make you never hunger again. Now, I think there's something to this. There's something to the fact that Jesus would give himself to us to eat. That Jesus would refer to himself as bread. Think about it. It's kind of weird that Jesus would refer to himself as manna, as bread, that Jesus would compare faith with digestion. In John, the explanation of faith would cause every, cause almost every believer, everyone who would follow Jesus, 
all this crowd who had now gathered there, almost every single one of them would leave. They would go. Because they were kind of freaked out because what Jesus was describing sounded like cannibalism. What do you mean we must eat you? What do you mean you're the bread of life? But what he was showing them was that it was not enough to simply follow signs. Faith would require more. Jesus would have to become part of their being. The nutrients from the bread of life are absorbed into our being and we take on Christ's likeness. It cannot be external. It's got to be something from within us, this change that comes. And they said, give us this bread. We want this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread. And everyone left. As if to say, what could belief have to do with satisfying our longings? How, how is it that believing in you and is the bread of life, how is that going to satisfy our every longing? Give us something more. Give us something tangible. Give us power over the Roman authorities. Give us something that would be more gratifying, more tangible. Give us wealth that we would never be poor. Give us comfort that we would never experience heartache or pain or suffering. Give us something. And Jesus says, I'm all that you need. And they walked away as if to say, but that's not enough. And years later, we have Paul addressing the church at Ephesus. And they're learning the same thing. They're having these same longings. And he describes the Gentiles that they've given themselves up to sensuality, to greedy practices of every kind of impurity. He said, they've given themselves to this stuff, but you are not that. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in your spirit, in your minds and put, off the new, put on the new self created in the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. He's saying, this is what they are doing. They've given themselves over to this, but this is not who we are. He's saying this because obviously they are dealing with the temptation to go back to their old self. Just like the freed Israelite slaves were tempted to go back into slavery because they were hungry. Now you have a church that is ready to go back into the slavery of their sin because they are not receiving the satisfaction that they want. There must be more. There must be more. And Paul is saying Christ is enough. So much of their desire would be to change everyone else. In the last couple of chapters of this, you'll realize that there is a conflict going on between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. The Gentile Christians are saying to the Jewish Christian, you had your chance. We're the real thing. We're the new community. The Jewish Christians are saying, no, no, no. We're the real thing. And there's this conflict going on between Christians as if, as if here they're saying, God, if you would just rearrange all of our circumstances so that I would never be tempted to sin, if you would just make this conflict, if you would just make them stop, 
If you would just make them not be this or that, then I would never be tempted not to like them. I would be never tempted to give myself over to these things, God, if you would just change these things. Arrange my circumstances. Then I'll be faithful. God, when we're in the desert, we will never have to, we would never want bread if we were never hungry. God, provide another sign. Prove yourself. That way we'll never have to have faith. The Gentiles described here have not experienced the substantive change that faith brings about in believers. This bread of life that brings about newness of our hearts. And he's making this distinction. They have futility of their minds. They have hardness, or better put, they are darkened. They have darkened hearts. In other words, their minds have not been opened to the mysteries of Jesus. They're in the dark. Their understanding is clouded. Ignorance is within them. This is their substance within them, ignorance. But this is what it means to be apart from Jesus. Or as he puts it, alienated from God rather than being in him. But we are not apart from God. We have been joined with him. This is the whole point of the manna bread metaphor. That Jesus is within us. And the nutrients from bread are absorbed into the fabric of our faith and we become something new. We are no longer who we used to be. We are no longer dependent on signs to get from A to B, only to want another one, because we have been changed. Our substance, our likeness has taken on the marks of the bread of life. We did not leave with the others, so to speak, when Jesus said that he was this bread. But to be joined with Christ is to undergo a transformation of our substance, of our being. Christ in us, the bread of life, begins to work and begins to bring about something new in each of us. The old is gone. He says, put off your old self, your former manner of life. Do away with your deceitful desires. Be renewed in your minds. Put on your new self described as righteousness and holiness in the likeness of God. To follow the Lord is to be in him, and him in us. To digest the truth, and that that truth, like food, becomes absorbed into our being, and we become like that food, not the food becoming like us. The bread of life becomes our nourishment and we bear its marks and we never hunger again. This morning as I was getting ready, I was listening to a song and it ends like this and I'll end with this. She simply says, when I taste your glory, I shall not want Are you hungry? (laughs) Maybe we don't even realize how much we have in common. 
with the freed slaves and even the church at Ephesus where we not only want to go back occasionally to our old selves, but we cling to the remnants of who we used to be. Maybe we fought with all of our willpower to do what is right, and we find ourselves saying there must be more, we must be more, and the fuel that keeps us going are the the fleshly desires of our heart. Today, I want to encourage you to receive the bread of life, to let it absorb into the fabric of your being and to make you something new, that its nutrients would form in you a newness of heart and that Christ would make you, not you, but he would make us righteous and holy in his sight. When I taste your glory, I shall not want. Let's pray. Father, we confess to you that there are times that we long for signs, something tangible. We long that you would pull us out of our hunger. Sometimes we we wish that you would sort of arrange our circumstances, that faith was not needed, but you did not come to relieve us of that. Instead, Lord, you came to sustain us through it. I pray today that you would help us because we need your help. That you would come within each of our hearts, that you would renew our minds, and that you would shape us in your very likeness. Not for our glory, but for yours alone. In Jesus' name, amen.